0: Hi, this is Roger McGuinn, and my favorite station is WMNF Tampa, Florida.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer McTritus, Chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Tune in to 88.5 FM and WMNF.org to hear interviews with our volunteer programmers, music you won't hear anywhere else, and informative news. Our Diversity and Inclusion Committee is excited to connect with organizations and individuals that support our local area. Thank you for keeping our community strong, and we want to help you make a difference. Let's do this together by emailing
2: diversity at WMNF.org. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello, Healthy Steps fans. This is Dr. Fred Harvey. Today's show is a compilation of prior show's recordings. Thus, there are no call-ins today. Join us next week for another exciting, informative call-in show. Until then, have a healthy week. This is WMNF Tampa, 88.5
3: FM. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Today you want to talk to us about cannabis. Well, cannabis, I don't know much about it, but I did see the movie Reefer Madness at the Tampa Theater back in 1971. Getting ready for this show, I ran across a list of benefits of cannabis that's longer than a child's arm. For pain, anxiety, PTSD, epilepsy, loss of appetite and other side effects of chemo, irritable bowel syndrome, I'll stop there to spend a second to editorialize. It seems to me that cannabis is illegal in some cases and overly regulated in most cases, not because it's a drug, but because it's a drug that is not dispensed by pharmaceutical companies. Um, I've got Robert from Palm Harbor and Patrice from Zephyr Hills and George from Seminoles. Let's get Robert on the line here. Good morning, Robert. Yes, uh, how are you this morning? Great. How are you today?
4: Oh, not too bad. Um, I have heard that, um, a long-term use of it, I would say not so much, uh, 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 medically, you know, like, like it's prescribed, but just, you know, uh, it, it gives a psychosis to the brain after long-term use, and I guess as you've seen in um, movies and things like Cheech and Chong, you know, they're they're just slowed down. Their their brain is just not uh, speech, everything. Uh, you know, there's always been the long-term, uh, you know, pothead, and, and they just sound drugged up. So I don't know what your take is on that, but uh, psychosis, it's not really good for the brain. To keep that's true.
2: And actually, that's a very good point. Psychosis can occur in people that have certain genetic problems with a couple of receptors. The research is out showing there's a very small group of people that doesn't respond very well to the cannabinoids, the uh, phytocannabinoids, because their their body just doesn't uh, respond the same way as other people's, and they can actually induce schizophrenia. It has happened. It's very rare. Um, but any Any um, uh, sedative chemical, when used on a long term basis can just keep you sedated. The interesting thing about cannabis, though is that for again about ninety five to ninety nine percent of people it 's not addictive, and the addiction has to do with the uh, nature again of these receptors and whether people actually respond um, uh, overly to this chemical but so yes it is a risk but in general um most people do not have this problem most people will not develop psychosis with these uh, medications when used medically or even used recreationally um but if you do a lot of it all day long yes you might be sort of dull because it does kind of put a blanket on the brain good point
4: yeah uh because you know, it's very easy to also obtain alcohol, and if people are doing, um, you know, uh, marijuana, let's just say they make it recreational in Florida, which I think would take quite some time because of the politics. Is that you're going to have people really out of their mind operating, you know, heavy machinery, uh, cars?
2: Great. Robert, 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 let's get real about this. Yep. We already have people out of their mind operating machinery because we have a, a psychotic uh, prescription mill that constantly puts people on antidepressants that aren't antidepressants. They're just chemicals that alter the brain chemistry. They're also probably taking benzodiazepines. They're probably taking um, other chronic pain medicines like seizure medicines, like gabapentin, and they're probably on opiates. When you look left and right, When you're driving down the street, it's likely the person next to you on either side has two or three medications on board because America consumes 55% of all pharmaceuticals and 70% of the opiates. Actually, when you use cannabis, it reduces opiate and benzodiazepine use and people actually get better. This is a functional, healthy tool and should be available for public use and should be promoted more to get people off the so-called antidepressants and the pain pills and the so-called anxiolytics like benzodiazepines because this with therapy and good food and good exercise and good relationships will improve people better than those other chemical band-aids
3: yep. thank you robert awesome. for your opinion okay let's move on to patrice and zephyr hills say hey there patrice hey hi guys
5: uh, Hi, dr harvey thank you for good morning thank you good morning to you too. Um, I'm very sensitive. I'm a half-hit wonder. I cannot do sativa. I go into that psychosis realm or maybe I don't know the exact definition of that term. With that said, when you said some people can develop schizophrenia or psychosis, would that be long term or would that be uh, situational?
2: Uh, that's a, uh, a, a good point there. Yes, um, the schizophrenia, people are genetically predisposed to that. So what happens with the use of cannabis is it might bring forth the disease that was already there. And Understood. so mm-hmm. that would be noticed. But then the anxiety and agitation and paranoia that comes from sativa in people that are sensitive to it goes away when you stop using the sativa. And okay. it would stop using any cannabis. And if you have that sensitivity, it's probably not a good idea to use the indica. Also, uh, otherwise, um, CBD might be useful because it helps to um, uh, augment your own natural endocannabinoid system and calm you okay. and reduce inflammation. CBD is a wonderful thing, and it doesn't affect people the same way as the THC. Okay, excellent.
5: Makes complete sense. Two more questions. Wonderful. If I, may. I okay. think that it that it could. I use it for sleep. It just a little half-hit, puts me in a state of well-being. I don't have a hangover. It's wonderful. Does it interrupt sleep in any way, shape, or form?
2: Um, actually, yes, THC can disrupt your deeper sleep. Using it with CBD enhances that because CBD enhances REM sleep. So if you're going to use a a little hit of the THC, I would take a little bit of dropper of CBD with it or a gummy to help augment that. You can also buy Charlotte's Web CBD cannabis and smoke that, even blend it with your THC cannabis and get a one-to-one kind of ratio that really is about the best for sleep. One-to-one ratio. Makes sense. Thank you, Dr. Harvey. You're so welcome. Okay. I wanted to make a point about Robert, too. There is no comparison from my perception between, and and in science, between cannabis and alcohol. Alcohol is a poison. Alcohol dissolves your brain, and cannabis helps prevent the dissolution of your brain. They actually work completely oppositely. Alcohol
3: kills you, and cannabis heals you. All right, now. It's a pretty darn good show so far, you gotta admit. But it is someplace between deja vu and a flashback. And that's because this is a pre-recorded show of some of the best of the Healthy Steps show with Dr. Fred Harvey. And because it's a pre-recorded show, I regret that we won't be able to take any phone calls today. But, by golly, next week we'll welcome you back like the prodigal sons and daughters that we love here at WMNF Tampa. Now let's get back to the fun at hand. And have another color. observation. Yes, we've had George that's been waiting quite patiently. Welcome, George. How are you today?
0: Hi. Good morning, all. Hi, uh, Doc. You've been talking about smoking and, eat, and eating um, marijuana, but I've been using a vapor, and I put the product in it, and I bake it, and I don't have to char my lungs out with the yes. carbon, and um, it I have a great effect. It tastes way better than smoking it. And, yes. Uh, and somebody also just now at a plant place, I just pulled in, some guy works here. He said, You could take the leftovers that you've baked, and there's still THC left in that, and you can make brownies or whatever. Do you think there's anything left over in that after you've baked it at 320 degrees, or whatever?
2: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I like it because um, it is true. But what happens is when you bake your cannabis in that uh, dry flour vaping device, you will actually decarboxylate it and make the THCA into THC and make it psychoactive. But you also make more CDN. And as you deplete the... THC, um, you are going to be left with more CBN. So when you do actually, uh, bake with the leftovers, it's, it's more of a sedative. It's, it's highly, highly, that would be the stuff to do for sleep time, definitely.
6: Okay. Um, is the product that's left over useful?
2: It's for, if you want to go to sleep, it's a sedative. It's, it's very, very heavy. Um, so okay. if okay. you want a sleeping edible, you use the leftovers from your dry flower
3: vape and, and make oh, that kind it. of an edible.
0: I got it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And,
4: uh, you're welcome, George.
3: Okie okay, dokie. I've got Gary on the line here. And at some point I know you're going to want to address the emails, but Gary's been patient. Hey, Gary, how are you doing yes. today?
6: Well, hello. Good morning. I've been taking Pristique, which is an antidepressant for about six, seven years now. Because my son's on heroin. And I was emotionally wrecked for a while. And I guess the um, critique, prestige that I'm taking um, reduced, I mean, it kind of levels off the serotonin in your head. Um, should I continue, should I um, maybe consider or think about taking um, cannabis substance uh, instead of uh, uh, antidepressants?
2: Gary, I'll um, um I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you need guidance when dealing with uh, emotional problems and you're on a medication, which I would not suggest you stop suddenly. You need some guidance on that. So I would contact a practitioner who deals with medical cannabis and see if they can help you with this issue. Most doctors consider medical cannabis an adjunct that's an add-on to any other therapy. So I don't think you're going to find many people recommending you stop your prestique to use cannabis.
6: Well, you okay? know um, I, I definitely wouldn't stop at all without okay. thinking of professional but, um, yes. do you think if I go to a regular doctor, that he would um, I don't know what to do?
2: Well, unless your regular doctor is a, a, a cannabis-recommending doctor, I don't think he will. I would go to a doctor who specializes in cannabis recommendations. Okay. okay? Okay. Bye. Very
0: good. See you, Gary. Hey there, Randy. Good morning. Good morning. I have been diagnosed with diabetic retinopathy.
2: And I want to know if uh, smoking a doobie is going to help. Okay, Randy. So retinopathy from diabetes is caused by vascular damage. And I think that um, smoking actually is bad for the blood vessels. I prefer dry flower vaping. Um, I totally agree with our previous caller. You Actually, when you burn the cannabis, the reason we have to heat up the cannabis is that we need to change THCA, which is not active, to THC. That's done through decarboxylation, and that happens when you heat something up over 320 degrees in this situation. And so smoking will activate that. THC, but vaping will also, and you can uh, get vapor devices that will dial in the temperature that you want so you don't burn the cannabis. When you do that, you get much better flavor from the terpenes. You do not get the ionized particulate that is the dark black stuff that damages tissues, and so you'll avoid some of the uh, damage to your lungs, hopefully avoid bronchitis and things like that, and have less damage to your blood vessels because the thc and cbd are helpful for all your inflammation but you do want to get a blend i think if you're going to work on something like retinopathy or any other vascular inflammatory thing you want to have cbd on board because cbd is the more anti-inflammatory modulator although thc has effect as well so a good 50 50 one-to-one blend is probably a good idea So give it a try. You can also try vapes. One of my favorite ways to do vaping is with live rosin, which is a a gel or a a goo sort of that is is pressed out of the live plant after it's harvested. And so it doesn't have any of the carbon fiber of the plant bud. It's just the THC resin. It's usually about 80% THC and 20% Terpenes and other hemp oil. And that is smoked through a vapor device that heats up that thick oil. And that's a really good way to deliver a very clean, very pure substance that has very good flavor and very uh, good economy because you use less of it essentially in one gram of the rosin. You're going to have the equivalent of probably uh, an ounce of cannabis and you can stretch that rosin fairly Far, if you um, uh, are using it uh, in, in appropriate
3: small doses. Um, it looks like I've got um, Petter on the line here. I hope I Hello, pronounced Petr. that right. Petter? Hello? Hello there.
7: Oh, hi, Doc. Uh, actually, that's nice of whoever that was to uh, change my name from Peter to the Irish version of Petter.
3: Uh, oh, it's good go. talking to you now, lad.
7: <laughs> uh, face. It's lovely to speak to you as well. Uh, what do you think about uh, RSO? For uh, skin issues. Um, um, you know, there's been a lot of study about that, and um, there's a little bit of, um, you know, it's it's not all on one page there. So, rich is yes. an oil for like uh, skin cancer?
2: Th- that's a good question. Uh, so, the, the um, uh, highly concentrated cannabis uh, does seem, and Rick Simpson, oil, by the way, is highly concentrated cannabis cooked down into a uh, very thick resin. The issue I have is that we don't have, unfortunately, because our um, government has supported pharma and psychotically prevented us from actually looking at this, we don't know how much good clinical effect it has. And it seems that it does help to shift the equation when it comes to cancer. And it probably from a lot of different mechanisms. Mechanisms, but um, I don't have any uh, 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 direct evidence as yet that it is a treatment for it. But I don't see any reason to um, not try it. In addition to anything else you might use.
7: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it was squashed, uh, and they they basically persecuted this guy for for doing what he did. And uh, yes, uh, yes.
2: Persecution is the word. Persecution, not prosecution.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he never took a profit from any of this, and he did it just for you know, human, uh, you know, just out of the goodness of his own heart. And they basically uh, broke him and uh, you know, ruined him financially. Anyway, um, another another thing that I mentioned to other people uh, is, is that oh, I don't want to do that because I'll become addicted. I said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Doc. I said no. It's physiologically impossible to become addicted to this because the molecules are uh, they're unable to cross the blood-brain barrier. No,
2: that's not true. THC gets into your brain, and you wouldn't get a buzz. The reason it's not addictive okay. is that it doesn't cause physiologic change. It doesn't make your body require it. Benzodiazepines set up a little process in your liver. Alcohol sets up a little process in your liver um, that makes you want more. If you don't get it, you go into withdrawal. Same thing goes for opiates. Your body gets used to having its receptors sedated. And if you pull that away, your body goes on fire and you start having diarrhea and vomiting and, and strange changes in your blood pressure. So Cannabis doesn't do this. It doesn't have these changes. It doesn't affect your deep um, uh, brainstem area. There's no THC receptors on your brainstem, so you don't cause these problems.
7: Ah, uh, so I've been dispensing that information. Thank you for clearing that up. But yes, it, you're welcome. It certainly has. I've been able to cut back, you know, significantly my alcohol intake. Yes, uh, substituting cannabis instead. And I saw a great T-shirt It said, "No hangover." No calories, and that's okay. <laughs> yep, I know that. That's a brilliant t-shirt right there. You know. Yes. So uh, so true. No calories, no hangover. So, um, all right. Well, so cannabis is not physiologically capable of uh, of addicting people. It's psychological, right.
2: psychologically habituating, not physically addicting.
7: Right. I mean, you know, e- eating uh, eating cinnamon could be addicted psychologically yeah. or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Doc. Thanks so much for your help and, and providing this great information to our community. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
3: You're welcome, Peter. I've got Charlie on the line. Hello, Charlie.
7: Good morning, Dr. Fred.
6: Uh, just a question. Um, I have uh, AFib. I'm taking with uh, Pacinopril, Cartavilio, Avastatin, and also I've got like uh, arthritic knee and ankles. And uh, one of my friends is going, you should try the gummies, the gummy bears, because that's going to help your uh, knee and ankles. But I just wondered how that might affect the AFib and what I'm doing.
2: Hey, that is interesting. I think that you ought to consider not doing oral inhaled. THC, um, I think you should consider doing topical CBD on those joints. Um, Start with that because that is not going to be psychoactive and it's not um, going to actually, we know that THC can give you palpitations and and tachycardias. So since you have atrial fibrillation, I would avoid THC um, at the onset. And always, if you ever decide to use THC, modulate it with CBD because it reduces the intensity of the effect of the THC, and you may then be able to tolerate it. But I wouldn't recommend adding THC since you have AFib. Gotcha.
6: So the vc C- v- C, uh, is that also like a, a ointment you can put on?
2: CBD, yeah. You, you can get uh, over-the-counter CBD ointments all over the place. Um, one of the previous callers mentioned Cheech and Chong. well, Tommy Chong has his own line. Um, It's a little pricey because he's branded it and named it. But otherwise, there's all kinds of stuff on the market. Um, There's a a company locally in Sarasota that makes it. So, uh, yeah, good luck. Find something not
3: THC to see if it'll help.
6: Gotcha. Appreciate it.
3: Got got Betty from St. Pete down the line here. Hey there, Betty. Hi, good
5: morning. Um, Good morning. I was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. And, it's, uh-huh. you know, mostly the the symptom is the tremor in my right side, my right hand. And yes. I've been doing medical marijuana lightly for quite a while. And there's a, a, a bit of um, discussion between the neurologist and the psychiatrist, etc., whether I should still do it. I don't, you know, I'm able to have a couple of tokes before I go to sleep to relax. And I just wonder what your take is on um, medical marijuana and um Parkinson's. It's you know I'm taking carbidopa and levodopa, a light dose. Hmm. So, so I, just I think what the mix is when you're yes,
2: yeah. So Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative illness. It's inflammation of the brain, and we want to protect the brain from inflammation while you have this ongoing to prevent further degradation of the system and this brings me back around (coughs) excuse me to the clinical endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome Um, when you actually have a diet that doesn't support the production of the endocannabinoids or you have um, activities that reduce the endocannabinoids you end up with trouble and so Um, some of the things that show up actually are irritable bowel syndrome, migraines, and other degenerative diseases, including neurologic degenerative diseases. So foundationally, we need to eat that rainbow of plant-based foods um, and also get a really good quality of oils into the body. We don't want to be using lots of seed-based oils. We want to be using um, uh, oils that support the system like r- medium chain triglycerides, coconut oil, um, uh, ghee. Um, and we need to eat a really good um, um, low processed diet because the processed foods actually contribute to brain degeneration. Gluten will contribute to it. Sugar will contribute to it. And all the processed grains that are high glycemic index are bad for the brain. So if we can support with a broad base of um Uh, good vegetable foods, good oils will support this system. And then medical cannabis does have a place in neurodegenerative diseases and you're using it appropriately. If you're having difficulty sleeping, you want to use a little bit of THC to sleep at night, but we want to take Uh CBD on a daily basis for any neurologic degenerative condition, because we want to reduce the inflammation and CBD does the best job of that. And so it also helps to improve REM sleep. So I would use CBD with THC every day. Um, as much as even a hundred milligrams a day is a really good anti-inflammatory dose.
5: Huh. I'm I'm following not not religiously, but I'm following the plant paradox diet. So I'm eating mm-hmm. lots lots of greens and coconut oil and oh, you name it. I'm staying away from red meat and processed food. So I think I'm doing the right thing. But um, and I take fish. I don't milk. think
2: I don't think red meat is a bad thing for your brain. I think eating oh. too much of the standard feedlot red meat is a bad thing. Pasture raised and grass finished beef is the best way to eat red meat. But all of these things are good. And if you stick to that uh, type of diet, the plant paradox is a very good diet, basically. So, yes, that will support your endocannabinoids.
5: Okay. Well, really thank you've answered my question so
3: well. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Hello, all you loyal fans of Dr. Fred Harvey. This spectacular Monday morning, you are listening to a special rebroadcast of some of the clips composing the best of Healthy Step Show. And as the nature of pre-recording shows go, there will be no one answering the phones today. So, write your questions on the back of a $20 bill and mail it to WMNF Tampa, and we'll answer it next week. Well, we got an all-star lineup now. I've got Christina from St. Pete, Rose from Plant City, and Patrice on the line. So let's go to Christina right now. Hey, Christina.
8: Good morning. Uh, hi there. So, hi. So I was recently diagnosed with EPI and I'm on a very restrictive diet and, of course, no alcohol. I did start recently taking medical marijuana to help with insomnia. Um, and also, every now and then I get a flare from the EPI. It's pretty rare because the creon seems to be controlling it quite well and the restrictive diet I'm on. But my, my question is, you know, given that the pancreas is responsible for digesting everything, even with the creon, is it dangerous um, for the pancreas to be ingesting THD? Um, It helps me feel better, but I just know everything goes to the pancreas now that I have to control
2: So um, you've been labeled with what I believe is exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, meaning that your pancreas is not putting out enough enzymes to help digest your food. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so um, that is not necessarily a static condition. Pancreatic insufficiency occurs when the pancreas is inflamed. Things that inflame the pancreas include gluten, sugar, and all of the artificial ingredients that occur in processed foods. And I think that um, taking CBD and THC actually modulate that inflammation and would be beneficial for this condition. But I think a an anti inflammatory diet like the um, Walls diet or the Um, uh, previously mentioned uh, Gundry um, uh, uh, lectin type diet um, the plant paradox these are very good things to look at to help support the system when you're having trouble like that I think that you can recover your pancreas um, depending on what injured it and you might want to look at what toxins might be injuring it
8: okay excellent is there any type of test for that because my gastro has kind of just said no it's just damaged and we don't know why you're idiopathic
2: yeah, idiopathic, that means the idiot doesn't know the pathology.
8: Yes, and so, I,
2: agree. I, agree. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think really you need to find a good functional medicine doctor because we use a wide range of testing that isn't ever considered by general doctors or even subspecialists. I have an email here from last time um, a question about um, does are there any uh, studies on um, cannabis use in ADHD and um, actually yes um, there is and it looks like that uh, adult ADHD me- uh, symptoms can be mediated um, and um, also uh, there's another study that showed that many people who have ADHD self-medicate with cannabis. So we need a better way of dealing with the brain dysfunction called ADHD that isn't really treated with Ritalin and these other things
3: that simply patch symptoms. righty. And I've got Nancy here on the line. Appreciate your patience there, Nancy. Good morning.
8: Hi.
9: Can you
3: hear me? Okay? Hello. Yes, Nancy.
9: Hello? Okay, good. Thank you for your show. I appreciate your topic. Um, I am calling because I am a 58-year-old woman, and I am living with my 92-year-old mother, and we have a few aches and pains, and uh, I'm looking at diet changes, less sugar and processed food, as you said, but I have anxiety and depression, and I take medicine for that. My mom also um, takes medicine uh, occasionally for anxiety, and I was just wondering what the benefits would be. Right now, I am I think when I turned 58, I started having cervical spine and lumbar nerve-related pain, serious pain. And um, I was wondering what you would think about the, um, the CBD and, and how I should go about um, investigating that avenue for my mom and myself.
2: I think that the use of CBD for both of you would be wonderful because you both have some anxiety and it will help to reduce that. Uh, a small amount of THC with that could be helpful also. It's very calming to use a, uh, a ratio of one to one or even higher, um, 10 to one CBD to THC for calming effect and also for anti-inflammatory. Topical CBD can really be useful for those neck and back pains. But one of the, uh, a better thing I think is actually going to an MAT, muscle activation technique specialist a personal trainer who can actually help you get out of the pain i watched so many people get out of neck and back pain using muscle activation technique look that one up online and find a local practitioner thank you
9: so much doctor appreciate you um will you tell exactly the best place to obtain
2: um good CBD uh, um products that's a good question. Good CBD. The, the people that um, uh, have the Charlotte's Web strain and have patented that, they, they actually sell a very high quality product. Um, there are local dispensers. You, you can actually look for a, uh, a place that gives you a third party assessment of their product. It shows there's no toxins in it and it shows that it's actually the strength that's in the bottle. That I would look for. Okay. And I thank you
9: so much. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye.
3: Got Alfredo from Lakeland on the line. Hello, uh, doctor. Hi there.
6: uh, What is your name? Dr. Harvey. Dr. Harvey. Dr. Harvey. uh, uh, Concerning marijuana, I'm 70 years old. Yes. When I was in college, I smoked grass for two weeks. Uh And I stopped because it was good. It was good. You say it was 3% at the time. It was good. Yeah. We were. In, I was in Hobart College of Geneva, New York. Hobart and William Smith, and it was good. But I wasn't studying, so I I stopped, and I bought myself a case of sangria. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and then they called me Alfie the Sangria Man. Uh, Love it. I I have uh, I have glaucoma. My doctor yes. doesn't. Uh, 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 doesn't uh, I asked him once would, uh, would he prescribe marijuana? He said no. He
2: uses medication. He's got well, J. Your your doctor's probably not a, a a certifying doctor, so he can't certify you and recommend cannabis. You need to go to a, a cannabis certifying doctor. And we do know that CBG, one of the other um, um, uh, plant phytocannabinols, um, actually has effect on glaucoma. And so um, you well, may still cataract, need to take now. the... At this time I have, Now I have a cataract. Okay, and but this, this CBD may help prevent further development of the cataract, but it can actually help with your, um, your glaucoma, too,
3: in addition to the medication he wants you to take. Okay, and the next caller would be Peter from Palm Harbor. Hey there, Peter.
7: Hi there. Hi, Dr. Harvey. How are you today? Good day. Uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, for uh, skin cancer... Uh, RSO, uh, and I, I, was looking at a few things last night and I saw that, um, um, a strain with very high, um, CBD and low THC, which is not the way I usually go, um, that, that gets rave reviews. It, it, it's hard to pick the correct strain, is what I'm saying. So, um, it really
2: yeah. is. Um, and, and it's, since we don't, really study it that well yet we don't know exactly ratios um which are going to be the most beneficial for different conditions but it does make sense that higher cbd would be more effective on a skin cancer since it's peripheral to the central nervous system and there'd be higher levels of cb2 receptors there and the cbd would then be more active there that would make sense to me
7: right yeah so uh not to belabor it but um yeah i i've used uh rso and it works tremendously and i mean you know two or three days later it's gone so it's miraculous
2: interesting yes
7: it's amazing stuff i won't hold you up thanks for your time and show thank you sir
3: thank Thank you yes my jolly flock of aficionados if these snippets of the show should sound familiar you are right you are listening to some of the greatest questions and answers from the healthy step show with dr fred harvey because this special presentation is pre-recorded, I sincerely regret that we won't be able to take any phone calls today. But stay with us, because this free broadcast has some listening treats so rare you'll want to keep them in the museum of your heart in a parlor you love to visit called WMNF Tampa. Yes, and still going down the line, I've got Tim from St. Pete on the line. Hi, Tim.
0: Hi. uh Hey, uh, uh Cannabis and uh, THC and... Uh, if uh, I got an addictive personality my wife same thing um, I smoked a lot uh, I think my others were saying you know back in uh, high school college many years beyond finally quit because I was just smoking every day taking up my day and uh, so now my wife uh, takes it and uh, she can't you know comes home from work and she just smokes until bedtime goes to bed smokes for an hour before going to sleep wakes up in the middle of the night if she can't sleep smokes some more um, we travel somewhere, first thing, she's got to get some, you know. I mean, she also uh, has a big glass of bourbon and such, uh, and some anxiety meds. But so I only really drink uh, beer, you know, four or five a day, probably too many. But um, I'm just curious about picking up another addiction. Uh, and so I wonder if you could talk about that. Now, you're, you being a prescribing yeah. doctor, maybe not the exact right person to ask. But in general, what uh, can you tell me about addictive
2: I would, I would hope that a certifying doctor is the right person to ask about whether something they're certifying for is addictive or not. And yes, um, I am trained in this, and no, it is not addictive. It may be psychological uh, psychologically habituating, but it's not addictive. There's no physiologic dependence like there is with alcohol, benzodiazepines, and um, uh, opiates. And so um, if someone is using alcohol... And benzodiazepines on a regular basis, I would suggest that they need to have some sort of other intervention and therapy to figure out why it is they're self-medicating so much. And adding to that, the perils of, of multiple chemicals uh, does not make much sense. I'd say find a f- good functional medicine doctor to get um, some treatment there. I want to
3: welcome back Gary to uh, the, the show today. He's always got stuff of interest to share with us. He does. Hello, Gary.
6: Well, good morning, you guys. um, The first question I had was, um, you said there has to be a, there's a registry for marijuana users in Florida. Do we have the same uh,
2: registry for guns? And my second question... We don't, (laughs) and we should. I agree. And uh, secondly...
6: um, I'm in, I'm in no pain, but I have um, peripheral neuropathy in my legs, and uh, will, will that be a qualifier?
2: Actually, um, neuropathy is not a qualifier unless your certifying doctor can relate it to ALS or one of those others. And actually, you know, there is an argument that it could be. They'll just have to submit documentation that nerve damage is nerve damage. Um, because, you know, peripheral neuropathy and central neuropathy, which is what ALS is, there's really very little difference. So you could qualify, but your doctor will have to be creative. Okay. And,
6: um, and also, um, when uh, I had, um, brain injury when i was 17 and um it's yeah you know, i walk with the walker now and i, I want yeah. You know, i'm just wondering i'm talking to my doctor maybe it's uh i could look into the matter you know
2: so yes yes i, I would i matter. would go to a a certifying doctor and see what they can do for you all right thank you again you're welcome gary
3: all righty, and I've got Shar uh, on line number two. Good morning, Shar. Good,
1: Good morning. Hi, I'm actually um, a patient and also a curator of cannabis. So I work in one of those dispensaries. Yes. Um, and so primarily we're all self-taught and we have to kind of um, navigate patients as far as which strains to help them with their ailments that come in, but there's really no training provided by no. right? the Department of Health or anything, even as far as um, the, the silly procedures that we have to follow.
2: Um, Right. Yeah. They've they've done a good job of that. Um, Even for the doctors, um, you know, they force us to get certified in their system. All we, you know, I I took the course because I'm a certifying doctor and uh all they do is train you how to fill the blanks in on their stupid system. It's nothing about education. They don't really care. They don't want people to have it. So they're going to teach people how to use it.
1: Exactly. So a lot of that stuff, people, you know, it's so funny to me because they'll come in and they'll say, well, I, I trust whatever you say. And I go, I just <laughs> call a doctor, you know, I'm really just a cashier if you think about it, you know. Yes. Or a bartender, like I can't really, you know, I, I, I haven't studied all this. I mean, I try my best, but it's it's very complicated when, you know, it, biology it really chemistry and chemistry and, you know, all of these things. So essentially my question is um, a lot of, like I, said, I just try to listen anecdotally to what patients say, oh, this gives me relief, This this doesn't. And um, one thing it seems like everybody is chasing is these THC numbers, and I'm wondering if that how much that really does affect it, or is it more of a marketing ploy? Because the higher Fantastic the THC, question. the the higher they, the more they charge for it. Um, yes, and then yes, okay.
2: And then so the reason
1: it, all of those are very high THCs, and they are, and
2: they're yeah. very expensive too. <laughs> but um, the the reason that it, it does go up in price with the percentage of THC is because you will need less product to get the clinical result now, there is the recreational use aspect of this, and people want to get that buzz and so they 're seeking out the highest THC content simply because they think that 's what it 's all about, however. Mm-hmm. The entourage effect with all the other cannabinoids and the terpenes is what actually provides the full experience. And so you could actually not need nearly as much of the THC percentage if you were to use it in entourage and with other things that help. If you use it as a, an adjunct to all the other things you're doing. But so, yes, uh, higher THC concentrations are um, more effective because they're just higher dose, but do we really need to chase the 38 percent? 12 percent might be enough. And in fact, what's really interesting is people do chase the percent, and people will buy more um, of the higher percent. Uh, uh, Andy Bashir, um, the the representative or the senator, Florida state senator from the Panhandle, wanted to restrict the percentage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Restrict it down to like fifteen percent, I believe. That would simply mean that people would buy more product. I think he just wanted more cash. That was the whole purpose I kind of, like of that clause. The
1: edibles, the edibles are yes. all capped out at ten milligrams
2: each. Yes, which actually it can be a, a smart thing because if people are uh, naive to it, I, I talked mm-hmm. about it last week or the week before. the The gentleman that walked into a recreational store in Toronto and he was seventy something and he ate a ninety milligram. Uh, lollipop and nearly died right so we really do need better education and and better control i mean i I, um, saw in a colorado shop a 175 milligram oreo cookie can you tell me anybody who eats one eighth of an oreo cookie (laughs) this is dangerous stuff when it gets into these doses yeah very much so Especially you're not going to die, but you're going to sleep for four days, probably.
1: <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I, again, because I'm self-taught, as I was say, well, it's kind of like working out. You're either going to puke or, you know, pass out before you actually die. So, Generally. Uh, I hope that's good enough.
2: <laughs> Seriously. Well, thank you, Shar. Thanks, Thanks for your call.
1: you so much, Doctor. Thank you for having this whole topic. It's been wonderful.
2: You're very welcome. Okay. Um, I want to run down a couple of things before I take the next call, and that is the products that are available. Um, so we know that there's flour out there. It's been around for, um, since the plant uh, evolved, um, the, um, um, extracts, there are uh, different ways of removing the THC and cannabinoids and terpenes from the flour. Um, ethanol is an extract. You basically boil it off. Butane is another way to do it. Carbon dioxide is another one. And then there's another methodology called Rick Simpson oil, where they cook it down and make the, basically the highest concentration you can get uh, in, in a homemade concentrate. And basically it's just a really thick um, uh, oil. And then, uh, something that I like a lot, rather than extractive, it's called rosin, and what happens is it's pressed out of, of the plant. Fresh plant is put under pressure and a slight amount of heat, and um, the rosin comes out. So basically, the all the THC and resin and um, all the other cannabinoids and terpenes are in this rosin. So that, that just gets packaged um, to be used in vapor devices. And then I wanted to mention the routes of administration. Inhalation is one of them. My my preference for flour is not combustion, not smoking, though it's possible and it works well and it's the hippie way to do it. But dry flour vape devices actually help you get the cannabinoids and the terpenes out of the flour without burning it. So you actually get more of the actual product you want and none of the ionized particulate that comes from smoking. It just reduces the burden on your lungs. So I when I certify someone, um, the state has now required that if we decide to order flour that we must put in Um, uh, a statement that says that flour is better for this patient, and here's the evidence, and we're supposed to submit articles. But I don't believe that, and I'll never submit an article. What I do say is that I don't recommend smoking. I recommend using dry flour vape, because it doesn't do the particulate. Vape carts are another way to do it, but vape carts are always lower THC percentage because they are um, diluted slightly with hemp oil, so it'll flow in the system. Concentrates like the rosin are the the cleanest, highest percent THC and terpenes you can get. And you use devices to smoke or to vape that to get the drug inside. Oral, there's caps and concentrates. The capsules are 10 to 25 and even 50 milligrams. Concentrates um, in, in syringes, um, you use um, a rice granule or something that size as a dose because it's super potent. Sublingual, there are tinctures that are very dilute in lots of hemp or coconut oil that you use under your tongue. Um, topical, um, creams and patches are available. And then edibles, um, there are baked goodies, there are chocolates, and there are gummies that I've seen so far. And as was just mentioned by Char, they're capped out at 10 milligrams. Um, and so there's lots of varieties, lots of ways to get things in. Nick from St. Pete.
10: Hey, Dr. Harvey, it's a great show. And I'm finally a medical marijuana patient after using... Oh, you're breaking up, Nick. Oh, sorry. Let me take you off speaker. But I wanted to call in and share a story. Is that better?
0: Yeah, you sound great.
10: Yeah, I've been making Rick Simpson oil for about eight years. Okay. Helping people cure cancer or... I, I, I guess I can't say cure, but I've also cured my own colon cancer. I was diagnosed about five years ago. And had a golf ball-sized lump in my colon. And they couldn't tell me if it was cancer or not without operating. So I literally took my last $600 and made Rick Simpson oil for myself. And literally started off with a rice-sized amount under my tongue for three yes. days. Then doubled my dose to about a pea size amount for three days. And then I actually started doing it rectally for the colon. Because stomach cancers, anything below the belt. It works way better doing it rectally. Yes, I was doing both orally and rectally for about three to six weeks, and so I ran out of the oil, and I have never felt better in my life. I never even went back to a doctor. And excellent, this was five years ago, and it's just Rick Simpson oil is super easy to make yourself at home. It's expensive at the dispensaries, but yes, very. It is super cheap and easy to make it at home yourself. And same with the rosin you talked about also. You can actually take a hair straightener that most girls have and put wax paper over it and crush the pot in between. And you have beautiful, fresh rosin you can make at home yourself for cheap. That's exactly
2: the way you do it. Um I love your story about the cancer and I'd love to get more information. I hope that that we can actually release this. If we can have enough people writing to our representatives to get this off the DEA schedule, we can study this. We need to study it and find out cuz I know there's effect out there. I've watched it happen. I just I've not seen anybody who's used RSO actually have a result like you because everybody I know was in terminal you know, stage four disease that started to try it. So I wanna see more people trying it at stage one. We need to do this, it's wonderful.
10: Well, that's also, real quick too, my aunt had four different types of cancer. She was addicted to diet sodas, junk food, all this stuff. And she went to Moffitt for almost eight years. They couldn't get all the cancer gone. She even had operations and they couldn't get all the cancer gone. And I told her to stop her chemo for six months, and let's try Rick Simpson oil. And her doctor was okay with it. And I said, this is a life and death choice for you to stop your chemo. But Rick Simpson oil does not work well with chemo. You have to stop the chemo. Right,
2: right. And, and, and most bodies don't work well with end-stage terminal chemo either. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and she did well.
10: She had a golf ball-sized lump in her lung. She had a pancreatic cancer. She had a lesion on her liver. And one other type I slipped in my mind. But after about three weeks on the Rick Simpson oil, she went back for another scan. And her doctor was like, what are you doing holistically? Because you, everything is, all your tumors have shrunk. The lead was completely gone. The golf ball size lump in her lung was about the size of a maybe a ping pong ball. And it, but everything was reducing. With Fantastic. three weeks of doing it. And, but she ended up on it for two years. She couldn't really afford to stay on it all the time and do it as much as she could have. And because she was on a fixed income and, but we gave her four to five years of her life.
2: That's fantastic. You can't, yeah. you can't, um, get better than that. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much, Nick. I'm going to, um, go on to, a, um, another email. So some things that came up in email that I think are really interesting, um, Kenny asks, what do you think about marijuana doctors saying that if you refer three people to them, that your next visit fee will be waived? I would say that that's called illegal. That's a kickback. Doctors are not allowed to do that. Um, you You can't pay someone for referrals in medicine. That's horrible. And that person should be reported immediately. And you can go to the Florida Board of Medicine to the complaint area and say that this person is actually doing kickbacks. They will get investigated.
3: Good point there. I'm glad Kenny brought it on up. He's one of our yes. hosts on the Sustainable Living Show. Yes, he's coming up next. So that's yeah. great. Thank you, Kenny. Hey. Um, and
2: Jeff has another one here that I think is really interesting. What would you say to people who claim that marijuana is a gateway drug? I would say that they're completely insane. Two things. One, alcohol is the gateway drug, period, End. it is the one. It's legal. It's everywhere. And second, um the only reason that cannabis could end up being a gateway drug is because they've made it illegal and the people that sell you the cannabis on the street are selling you all the other drugs. So if you put them all together into that category, yeah, of course, there's going to be a possibility. But if you take marijuana out of that nefarious network, it's unlikely you're going to see the gateway occurring. So let's fix our system and let's make alcohol less available
3: (laughs) because it's dangerous and kills people. Good point there. The last caller is going to be Deborah from St. Pete. Hey there, Deborah.
5: Hi. Uh, Betty actually asked the same question that I had. And yes? so I listened
1: over the phone, and that was perfect timing.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> but I do want you got your know, answer.
1: All, all of the staff there. It's really delightful to listen to the program because of all of the people involved, including um, the guy who, you know, you you interact with you banter with I like Bill that.
5: yes
2: Bill's Bill, a wonderful thank man you. thank you I have my moments
5: I've always liked <laughs> Bill because he says the
3: cutest things indeed thank you for your compliments um, much appreciated
5: alrighty bye bye.
3: Well, Dr. Fred, it looks like it's time to wrap up another very interesting episode of the Healthy Steps Radio Show here on WMNF Tampa. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., I'd like to say thank you to Dr. Fred Harvey and to all of our participants and listeners. Take care. Stay healthy. Y'all are the greatest. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Seconds away is five minutes of NPR news and then we'll present sustainable living hosted by the award-winning team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Today their guests will be Dr. Shannon Gowans and Dr. Amy Sweda, both from Eckerd College and here to tell us about their EPA grant to digitally track single-use plastic. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.